Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Friday, January 13th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Something's got to give over the next few days in the Big 12. Three teams enter the weekend at 4-0 in league play, and there'll be a collision of those teams starting Saturday when Kansas plays host to Iowa State. Kansas State, the other undefeated team in league play, takes on KU on Tuesday. On today's show, the beat writers, Kellis Robinette, Gary Bedore and Shreyas Lada talk Big 12 hoops and the fast starts by their teams. K-State guard Marquise Noel is playing like he wants to be Big 12 Player of the Year, and Kansas came back from 10 down with about five minutes to play against Oklahoma earlier this week. We cover those topics and much more on today's show. Let's get rolling. We are two weeks, right, into Big 12 basketball season I just wanted to ask you guys just to start off with, and anybody can jump in, any surprises yet? Uh, you know, there are undefeated teams at the top, some winless teams at the bottom. Uh, does does anything stand out, That anything unusual? Um, we, we're going to get into K-State in a big way here, of course, uh, but maybe outside of Kansas State start, uh, what what – what has opened your eyes about uh, Big 12 play so far? Kellis, I'll start with you, man. Well, it seems like every single game comes down to the final, you know, two possessions. That's probably what surprises me more than anything. Unless you're a team going two aims, um, you know you are in it until the end. I guess that kind of surprises me, too. Usually, uh, Allen Fieldhouse is where teams go to die in this league. This season, it's uh, it's Hilton Coliseum. They got the magic going. Texas Tech couldn't couldn't uh, even stay on the same court with them. Neither could uh, Baylor when they went and played there. So it's it's interesting that you got two winless teams at the bottom: Texas Tech and West Virginia. I mean, you people are still saying they got a shot at the NCAA tournament. I kind of beginning to doubt that, but I mean, shoot, zero and four. Those are two pretty good teams to be winless. It shows how good the rest of the league is. Yeah, 0-4 Texas Tech, um, you know, had a, you know, jump ball type of officials call and or would have beaten would have beaten KU, and that's how good they are. And um, and West Virginia, everybody knows how difficult it is to go in there, but Kansas goes in and, and beats them pretty handily. And uh, so I, I am a little surprised that West Virginia is 0-4, but uh, it's been a uh, – a lot of a lot of favorable uh, hub for the Big Twelve. Anytime you hear talk, uh, you hear a national talk show host or you know ESPN, they're they're pumping up the Big Twelve and deservedly so. Uh, Shreyas, this is your first go around in the league. I love that you're getting to see some of these these gyms. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I swear, I when, when places like Bramlage and Hilton Coliseum and Allen Fieldhouse, of course, are are filled there. The atmosphere is as good as it gets in, in college basketball. And, and of course you'll get to see uh, Bramlage next week when KU goes to Kansas state. But um, what about you? you? You covered college basketball for a couple of years now, in different parts of the country. Uh, any early observations of big 12 hoops? I mean, it's, it's just crazy to watch. I mean, I thought the big East plays this physical crazy brand of basketball, but big 12 is right up there. I think if not better, um, and, and honestly, it's one of those leagues where I have no idea who's going to win every night. And I think, you know, Kansas has come out on top a lot of close games here, but you could easily point to they could be one in three in conference play right now. I think the only win they've had to decide simply has been the West Virginia win when they went into Morgantown and kind of dominated there. 
But, I mean, like, they come out, played pretty bad basketball against Oklahoma for 35 minutes. They lock in and they win the game. And I'm sitting there like, you know, well, that's a good testament to Kansas, but also tells you this league is Oklahoma wasn't supposed to even give Kansas really the line was, I think, nine and a half. It wasn't supposed to be that close, but any team can give each other fits. And, and like Kelly said, I mean, it, it's it's just fun to watch and fun to cover because you really don't know what's going to happen going into the game. Gary, you've been doing this as long as anybody. Um is, is it too early to make projections uh, about, you know, who's who's good, who's bad, and who will or won't be in the tournament? Or are, are we ready to eliminate Texas Tech and uh, and West Virginia from the NCAA and to put K State and Iowa State in the top four of the of the bracket? Or um, do we need yeah. a little longer? Well, the teams that are. Uh doing poorly have got to turn it around before too long because you can't look at TCU two and two look at Baylor one and three and Baylor was picked to win the league again like everybody said the games are all close but if this starts flipping with the close results then we're going to see KUK State and Iowa State dropping some games soon and we're going to see TCU Baylor OSU maybe, and will the winless Mountaineers start winning a little bit? So it's really strange because if this, if the close games start to turn around a bit because the league is so strong and everybody's so equal, everybody's record is going to start getting bad. I mean, Baylor's 11 and five, Oklahoma 10 and six, TCU is still great at 13 and three. Texas with a new coach hasn't slipped. They're three and one in the league. So in answer to your question, I do expect some losses to start coming for KU, K-State, and Iowa State. When, I don't know, because KU plays K-State Tuesday. Iowa State plays KU Saturday. So some losses are coming there. But uh, I still think Texas's talent may prevail we'll see and of course KU seems to know how to win these close games but other teams are learning how to win them yeah for sure look um yeah I'm I'm with you I, I don't know if KU goes 2-0 and in its next two that would be quite an accomplishment if it does but Kansas State you can uh, give them the trophy if they go 2-0 this week I think I, I, th- I think that's right um that they they if they sweep uh, the Cyclones and the Wildcats then maybe we have to re, re rethink the the Big Twelve race a little bit. So, um, but Kansas State fifteen and one overall, four and zero in the conference, and quite a jump in the AP poll from what were the, in in receiving votes the previous week. Tell us how far, how many places did they jump? Yeah, so unofficially they went from number 30 to 11, which by my math is a 19-spot jump. It's the longest in uh, something like three decades since they've been tracking that stuff for the AP poll. Yeah, that was that was quite the quite the leap, and um, and, and and deservedly so. It's been an incredible ride for Jerome Tang and the Wildcats. They take they um, uh, they have got the game at TCU on Saturday. That's going to be a tough one. But I wanted to start our Kansas State conversation, Kellis, about talking about Marquise Noel, who uh, amazes me every week. The, the guy is just playing his 
five foot eight butt off. That's what I got him listed. Is he five foot eight or? Uh, I think that's maybe a little generous. I'd say five, seven, five, seven, seven and a half. Um, he is taller than Deuce Vaughn though. He got insulted last, last summer on the, uh, catbackers tour when people came up and actually asked him, uh, for Deuce Vaughn's autograph. They thought he was Deuce and he was like, I'm way taller than, than that guy. <laughs> uh, but he, he plays big on the basketball court. Um, his last four games in big 12 play have been unbelievable. It seems like, uh, he gets, gives you 30 points every night, 10 assists every night. And if you go by strictly um, conference numbers right now, conference only numbers in the Big 12, he leads the conference in scoring, in assists, and steals. And, you know, I've had a lot of people ask what's, you know, kind of the secret, what's what's Jerome Tang done so differently this season. It's not like he's, you know, this, you know, I'm not trying to say he's not a good coach, but he's he's uh, the coach of a team that has um, the best guard in the conference right now, arguably one of the best in the, in the country the way he's playing. Then you add in Keontae Johnson, who's given them, you know, automatic 15 points every single night. You should be winning when you have two of the best players in the entire conference on your team. And that's what they've got right now. Um, and Marquise is the engine that's making them go. I mean, um, you saw him against Oklahoma State. That was a really tough game for them. The Cowboys came in and slowed the pace down, played defense. That's two things that uh, Texas and Baylor did not do against Kansas State. It was a really difficult game. It was hard for them to score in the, in the half-court sets. And Marquise just kind of came out and said, well, Attack with this. I'm just going to shoot Steph Curry threes. They went in. They win the game. He's been a big difference. Got a logo three is the one that stood out to me. It was it had to be if you put to put the tape measure down, what 30, 30 feet, 32 feet. It was incredible. But then he had the the lob pass to Keontae Johnson at the end. That was just uh, just an incredible moment. Uh, great play. Maybe the play of the year so far. And, and it wasn't just in garbage time. It was a big bucket. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, clinched the game. Yep. And uh, so one of the things I noticed about Noel, fifth-year senior, by the way, spent his first three years at Arkansas Little Rock, um, was good there, right? And then um, – uh, but but this isn't the – this isn't the Noel we saw a year ago, uh, not, not to this extent. He was good. He had double-digit uh, average last year, but also played – you know, he had to – sort of share the, uh, the, the backcourt with, with Nigel Pack. And so uh, it was a little bit different setup. This is, this is his team uh, this year and um, he, he's taken full advantage. The one stat that I wanted to point out that I, that I think is a big difference for him this year, he's 39% on three pointers. A year ago, he was 31%. And the reason I bring that up is obviously there's a great improvement there, but I always find it true that when transfers um, come up in, in classification. So he's going from Sun Belt to Big 12. That's one of the, he was a good shooter at, at Little Rock, but to me, that's one of those places where the defense is just a little better. The athletes, you know, a little taller and, and fat, you know, uh, faster, better. Um, your, your, your three points are guarded when you make that transition uh, in a bigger way. Um, I, I think he's finding space better. Um, and uh, and it, I don't know. I don't want to say it's coming easier for him, but I just think a year in the Big Twelve helped him, you know, uh, figure out what you know what it was to, to to you know to basically get yourself open and and to take on more uncontested shots. Yeah, I agree, and I think it. Uh, I think somewhat like Michael Jordan, he took it a little personally last year when a lot of uh, us in the media pointed out that he wasn't always playing within Kansas State system. There are a lot of times where, you know, those, those Steph Curry shots 
weren't uh, as wild as they seemed uh, the earlier this week. They looked much, much wilder last season. It was really just I'm going to, you know, run down and shoot on, you know, without even stopping. There are a few times he did that um, and just tried to do too much within the offense. Um, this year, uh, Jerome Tang's put down a, a, a system that suits him a little bit better. He's got him to play within it, and uh, he's, he's really trusting things. I mean, he still makes mistakes. You saw against Oklahoma State, he came down and tried to kind of ridiculous uh, assist pass underneath his legs going backwards. It was picked off. It's like, come on, what, what are we doing that for? Um, but when he does play within himself, he's a very good player. And, um, yeah, I, I agree with you totally. Um, it's a big jump from little uh, from Arkansas Little Rock to Kansas State. Big jump from that conference to the Big 12. Sometimes it definitely takes players a, uh, a year to get used to it. And I will say one more thing. I think uh, I was asked this on my Q&A today. I never really thought about this. But I think um, them losing Nigel Pack actually was a, a net gain for Kansas State because last year – that was a real big question that the coaches had was how do we play Pack and uh, and Marquise together? They're similar players. They're both shorter point guards. They both love to shoot rather than, you know, always get their teammates involved. Remove one of those guys from the equation, and um, all of a sudden Marquise is just turning into this lion who's doing a lot more himself. So, um, you know, uh, Nigel's out there in Miami getting paid. Marquise is here not getting paid, but his numbers are way up. I think it worked out for both sides. And I took that personally. <laughs> I love that. All I need is a whiskey in my hand. Um, 8.8 assists per game for uh, for Marquise Noel. That's second in college basketball. Leads the Big 12, and it's second to a player from uh, SLU, by the way, um, in, in the NCAA. All right, so K-State at TCU. Um, you've got uh, the Wildcats going against a team that has the preseason Big 12 player of the year in Mike Miles. So um, is this um, is it, with Kansas on Tuesday, is there a little potential look ahead factor for the for the Wildcats or I, 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 I trust Jerome Tang to have these guys locked in because it's just I trust Jerome Tang. But um, what do you think? In, a, in any other season, I would say it's definitely a look-ahead spot. It's by far the biggest game on the schedule Kansas State. Um, you know, short of winning a Big 12 championship, any fan out here wants to beat Kansas in Bramlage, rush the court and everything. That's uh, that's the dream of any season. So they're definitely looking forward to it. But if there's every year where that's not the case, it's this one. There's only two guys in the entire team who've even played against Kansas. That's Marquise and Ishmael Massoud, and they've only done it once in Bramlage. Everybody else in the team is completely brand new. Keontae Johnson doesn't know what it means to play Kansas. Um, Desi Sills doesn't know what it means to play Kansas. Dacon Tomlin, I doubt he you know cares too much about that game yet. Um, they're four zero in the conference. Jerome Tang is from Texas. He knows you know what it means to play TCU. So I, I think they're going to be hungry going into this game. Um, they've talked a whole lot about how they're they're proud that they've got that number eleven next to their name right now. They want to keep it. Um, so I don't think they're going to look ahead here. I think in the past, you know, even even like some of those real veteran teams with Barry Brown and Dean Wade that, that won a lot of games. I think they would have been susceptible to look ahead here because they, you know, they were veteran players who'd been around. They knew how much it would mean to beat Kansas. Maybe we focus more on that than just TCU. Uh, but this is a big game for, for Kansas State. And I, I don't necessarily think they will look ahead. Um, and if if they do, I don't know how much it'll hurt them. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the E-Edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. So KU is down uh, by 10 with a little over five to go on Tuesday night against Oklahoma. You you gave them the L at that point, didn't you? <laughs> Um, I, I, I remember tweeting out at that timeout. I was like, it was, I think they went 12 and a half minutes without scoring. And I was like, if they don't score the ball here, this one is over. And I, I, I honestly thought I was like, I don't know what's happening. Cause you go 12 minutes without scoring a field goal. They were throwing up some garbage, you know, a lot of like old school, you know, post play where they just back it down. Everyone else would just stat, stand and watch for the corners and the offense just kind of looked lethargic. Um, and they come out of that timeout and they have that Dewan Harris, uh, you know, KJ Adams connection. And then they get a stop and then KJ Adams gets an offensive rebound, gets the ball to Dewan. Dewan gets to Wilson. They hit a three and within less than a minute, they're within five. And that kind of just shows you, I mean, like a team like Kansas, how good they are, even when it seems like they're seemingly out, they're never really out. And I mean, ultimately they won that game because they really turned up the last five minutes, I think. I was really impressed with you can play pretty terrible basketball by Kansas standards for 35 minutes and come out with a W against a tough conference opponent, then that's a good sign for March and really, you know, the rest of the season. Yeah, Gary, I, Bill and, and the program, they've won a ton of games. So some of them are going to be comeback fashion. You're not going to, you know, even for all the games Kansas wins, they're not going to you know be up by 10 at halftime and then stretch it out in the second half. Uh, all yeah. the time, but you've seen some pretty amazing comebacks over the years. I know I have too. I um, I want to know where this one. I, I don't want to say I thought Kansas was going to win when they were down, like as late as as much as they were, as late as they were. But I knew not to turn the TV off. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I watched the national championship game last year, and. Yeah. Uh, so, but there are other games, not just in Allen Fieldhouse. I will, I'll get Kellis in a minute to remember last year's game at Bramwich, but, um, but this is, this is kind of what Kansas does, isn't it? Yes. Uh, in this game quickly, uh, when it was 10 points, it looked bad, but when they cut it to five in about 30 seconds and they were only down by five with four left, you knew it was a game. The weird thing is, is when Tanner Groves uh, put up a three, that would have been the dagger. It was down to like three points or so with whatever was left, maybe even under a minute. And I thought 
when he'd let go. If that goes in, that's finally the ball game. But some comebacks, they beat Missouri when they were down 19 in 2012. Poor Bob Huggins has had several of them. <laughs> KU was down 14 with 258 left at home. Frank Mason, Devontae Graham team rallied to win in overtime. 14 points with 258 left. Come on. They trailed Oklahoma this time by 10. Uh, Dewan Harris with two big free throws late in this game to ice it. Uh, Oklahoma still had a chance down the stretch. They were down 13 to Okie State with 18 minutes left. I mean, I'm sorry, Ohio State in the final four yeah. in 2012. That's a pretty big deficit down 13. At home, down 18 to Florida. That's pretty tough. In 2014, Wayne Seldon's team won it. Florida had to be staggering home after that one. And then again, West Virginia, 2018, KU's down 15 in the second half at West Virginia. So Bill Self, uh, what can you say? 301 and 16 at home. Now that means... If you're a Kansas fan the last 20 years and you have tickets, you are almost guaranteed to see a victory. And if you're one of the poor people that were in the 16, if those are the only games you ever went to, you're disappointed. But 301 and 16 is almost an automatic. You should ask around and see if there's anyone who went to all 16 and none of the <laughs> That would be amazing. I think I probably did. But uh, the only one. you and you and Bill, <laughs> I missed a couple, but I don't think I ever missed a loss. 16. How the hell did they lose 16? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you the one of the West Virginia games that you referenced, Gary, the 2017 game when they were down 14, I think 258 to play. You, you've said, um, that was yeah, Frank Mason and Devontae Graham. That was. That was a game where Kansas set the Guinness World Book of Records for noise in an indoor <laughs> arena. Uh, I, I looked that up. So that's part of the, the you know, that's part of the the, um, the the advantage that Kansas has. And 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 there and if every one of those games, every one of those great comebacks, maybe except for the ones against Carolina, the one against Carolina, Ohio State in the NCAA tournament had some officials call that everybody went nuts about, right? There was always something that, yeah. you know, um, that uh, how, how could you not call this? Someone had a great tweet this week, though. They they showed four scenes, um, snapshots of Kansas winning or, or Kansas losing late in a game with an opponent shooting a three-pointer. If that three-pointer hits, Kansas loses. And in all all of those occasions, just like Tanner Groves uh, this past week, it didn't hit, and Kansas ends up surviving mm. those games. So. Do, uh, do I have the stat right that Oklahoma has never won an Allen Fieldhouse as a Big 12 team? That's right. I covered yeah. – and, Gary, you probably remember this. It was 92-93 season, and Oklahoma had a guard named Terry Evans. And mm. that team uh, – that was a Kelvin Sampson team that won at the Fieldhouse – 92-93 was like four years before the Big 12 was formed, and that's the last time OU's won in, um, in, in, in Allen Fieldhouse. Great Oklahoma. The, the Buddy Heald game, people will never forget that. The 
um, the three overtimes when Buddy scored 40, whatever yeah. it was, 46, and KU still survived that one. So, all right. Um, but Iowa State comes in. Iowa State's a team that's won at Allen Fieldhouse, um, historic, not historically, but they, they, here and there, they found ways to, to get a W. And gosh, I can remember Ben Backlamore having to bank a three to send a game into overtime um, back about a decade or 12 years ago. But um, anyway, Shreyas, tell us a little bit about Iowa State and, and why these guys have been so good this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they are a really interesting team. They play slow, they control the pace, and they will kill you with any mistake that you make. They force tor- turnovers at a really, really high rate. Um, they have one of the best defenses in the nation. Uh, I think they're number one in the nation in forcing turnovers. They average, I think, uh, a really high percentage of, I think they're eighth in the nation in steals. So basically, I mean, like any mistake that you make, Iowa State will will kill you on. And that's how they won basketball games this year is – that devastating defense and um, it's led to, to offensive points for them and they control the game and, and KU is going to have, I think it's hands full against a team where if they make mistakes, it could get out of hand quickly because, you know, Iowa state does a great job of making sure opponents don't come back in games because they hold the ball so, so long, like almost 18 seconds on average uh, per possession. Hey, T.J. Otzelberger's done a heck of a job, uh, just a, a great job. Of course, he was at Vegas. He was a longtime Iowa State assistant uh, and great recruiter. That was his rep as, as, as a recruiter. Man, he can coach. That's That sweet 16 run he made last year when I think it was Wisconsin and LSU they beat to get to the sweet 16. And um, uh, really impressive, really impressive job that he's doing at, at Iowa State. So, um you know, Gary, I, I think every Kansas fan and certainly every Kansas State fan will tell you that that's, you know, that's the biggest rivalry, KUK State, that, that uh, the Jayhawks play. But there's no love lost between KU and Iowa State, is there? No. Uh, as we all know, Iowa State has those great fans that <clears throat> come to Kansas City every postseason for the tournament. Um, and Bill Self's had a great record in Ames, but the place is always packed and it's always tough. And the one year they had the problem with that fan that <laughs> yelled at Bill Self or whatever. I'm almost forgetting the story now. It's been a while. And then in Allen, like you said, they've grabbed a, a, a win here and there, Iowa State. Not many again, because like we said, they never KU never loses at home. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty big rival and uh thing is with KU fan fans would probably say you know it's not a rivalry because KU's doubled the all time in the all-time series it's probably double that KU wins twice as much as it loses but it's a team that uh because it's in the old big eight and all that it's a neat game and uh it's I don't think they've had any near fights or anything so it'll be good if they could keep it clean still but k-state would be your obviously would be the main rival uh so many kansans work together you know at the water there aren't there aren't water calus probably as many anymore since covid but uh they work together and there's a bragging thing obviously and in football k-state's just totally smoked the last what 
20 years. 150 games. Yeah. Yeah. And in basketball, uh, they had the, the fight in Lawrence, which was unfortunate, but uh, you just like those games between the old big eight teams. And it's neat to see them all at the top of the standings. For sure, but you're right that that the, the old Big Eight guard are they're at the top, uh, KUK State and, and Iowa State. So, all right, um, I know I'm mentioning this to you for the first time, but I'm hoping that we can reconvene next Tuesday morning to talk KUK State. Um, if, if I think if I think if the Wildcats win on on Saturday at TCU, they're going to find a way to climb into the top ten. I know that UConn's already lost a third game this year, so. Uh, I think they'll drop. They could drop out, and Kansas State at eleven almost got Gonzaga to lose last night to to BYU, but it didn't happen. So I think can't. But I, I think Kansas State will find a way to sneak into the top ten, and we'll have a a top ten meeting next Tuesday between Kansas and Kansas State. The first one since I believe this is right that the twenty ten Big Twelve Championship game back mm. uh, uh, back when Frank Martin was the the Kansas State coach. So all right, guys. Excellent conversation. Really enjoyed it. Kellis, Shreya, Gary, thank you guys. And we'll talk to you again maybe sooner than um, uh, than you think. Thank you, guys. Thanks. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our producer, Randy Mason, for putting together today's show and to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of George Howard, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Shreyas Lada, Gary Bedour, and Kellis Robinette for sharing their insights. The NFL playoffs start this weekend, and we got you covered here and everywhere else in sports in the Morning Sports Edition. Check out this digital sports page extravaganza at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.